It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Welcome into the program. Happy Friday to you. Hope it is starting off right. Oh, man, these these headphones that I'm using this morning are horrible. I left my regular headphones at home because I took them home with me to set up the live broadcast that will be happening later on this morning with Chris and Marcus on South Coast Now from the uh, the Museum of Madeira and Heritage. They're going to be broadcasting there from 9 to noon this morning, and they're going to be talking all things Feast of the Blessed Sacrament. They're going to talk about the uh, the club. They're going to talk about the feast itself. They're going to talk about the museum, and they're going to have guests throughout the course of the program. So it should be a very uh, interesting and celebratory broadcast uh, as we are now less than a week out from the start of the 107th Feast of the Blessed Sacrament. So uh, I'll be tuning into that later on to hear all about it. I hope that uh, you will as well. But I did. I left my headphones at home. I know exactly where I left them. And I'm sure they're lonely without me. I'm lonely without them. Uh, I've, I've, I've needed to get new headphones for quite a while. And you know, good, good quality studio headphones are going to cost you between $100 and $150. And I know what you're thinking. You're saying to yourself, well, Tim, doesn't the radio station have headphones you can use? And they do, but I like to use my own. And I think most people in radio like to use their own because especially in the wintertime, you know, you don't want to be passing ear infections around and other sickness and all that. I like to have my own pair that nobody else uses but me. And I've been using the pair that I have for probably uh, close to 12 to 15 years, probably about 12 years. I've been using them. Yeah, because I had some Iowas when we first started when I first started working here. But the headphones I have now are falling apart. The band that goes across your head is all shredded, but I'm I'm partial to them. For one, they have a really, really long cord. But uh I just keep thinking, okay, well this is this is the month I'm gonna buy myself new headphones, and then I never do. But maybe this is the sign to say, well, you should have at least a second pair. Anyway. 508-996-0500. That is the number to call in and be part of the program this morning. Later on, we'll be joined uh, as we are each and every Friday. As you know, we are joined by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. And joining her today will be Councilor-at-Large Shane Burgo. And we're going to be talking about a number of things with the councilors, including uh, this plan, the discussion regarding the new Duvall's Congdon School. It's going to be a combined school. Uh, Jack Splain has a very good piece at New Bedford Light where he really dives into the background of trying to get that school built, uh, why it is going in the location that it is, why they are building a combined school, but also bringing in the other side of it, why they shouldn't be doing that, like why it's not preferential to be building a combined school on the Goodyear site, but that that's pretty much the hand that New Bedford is dealt with right now. And it's either 
build this school in a way that is not, you know, not totally optimal. It's not that it won't serve the students well, but it wouldn't be the first choice of anybody of the way to do it. But the problem is, is if they don't sign off on this plan, then they fall out of the queue with the Massachusetts School Building Authority. And then who knows when they're going to get up in line again to have these schools replaced. So whereas they've got other schools that they need to get done, it's it's just, I guess, I guess a compromise plan of let's just go forward with this and this will get things done. Also, keep in mind, we're not building schools for 100 and 150 years anymore. We're building schools for 50 years. And I know that that still sounds like a long time, but for those of you who have lived for 50 years, you realize it kind of goes by in the blink of an eye. And so it could be that, you know, 50 years from now, the schools that are being built will have to be rebuilt or expanded or refurbished or what have you. You would think not. I mean, you look at a school like the Jacobs School and you think, well, this is built to last. But it's just that's kind of the mindset that, that people have now. I've told the story before of, you know, Wareham High being brand new when I went there. And then I'm going there to cover volleyball games not that long after I graduated. I'd say within like 10, 10 or 15 years after I graduated. And so we're talking a school building that's 20 years old at that point. And they had rain outs for volleyball games. They would actually have to call off an indoor volleyball game due to rain because the roof and the gym leaked. So, and that was a building that was, at the, like I said, at that time, 25, 26 years old. So it's just not the same as it was. So that's, that's something that we'll talk about with the counselors. And, uh, and of course, we can talk more with you as well. Also, I want to discuss uh, what went down yesterday because there was some discussion on the air here. First of all, uh, as you heard with Chris and Marcus on South Coast Now, Former Mayor Scott Lang was in with him yesterday. And if you haven't read the story, it's at WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. He said he is not going to be running against Mayor Mitchell. He is not going to be running for mayor this fall. It could be that maybe he will in the future. But he said that he is, you know, that he, what did he say? It's extremely, extremely unlikely or something along those lines. uh, That, you know, he's just so busy with his law firm. As he said, it's going gangbusters, and he has a lot on the table with that. And he says that it would be you know, unfair to say to clients, listen, I know that I'm supposed to try your case in November, but sorry, there's an election that I'm part of. So because he can't give himself fully 100% to the job of mayor, and he has to give himself fully 100% to his job as a lawyer, he has opted not to run. But he was encouraging for anybody to step up and run. And theoretically, you can. You can go today and get out papers, get out nomination papers. I believe you have to collect 50 signatures, bring them back. So get get 75, 80 if you can, because they're going to verify the signatures. Unless you are rock solid knowing that those 50 are registered New Bedford voters with active registration. But get some extras anyway just to be safe. And then you just have until Tuesday to bring them back. So you can get papers today and you could, in a weekend, you could get those. You could go position yourself outside a supermarket door. Just make sure it's okay with them. 
collect your signatures and move on. You could go to friends and family and neighbors and probably get enough signatures. So get that done if you are interested in running, if you are serious about running. We'll see how many of the people who pulled papers for mayor bring them back. It's always, you know, there's always more people that want to take out the papers and then they go and they talk to people and they decide, well, you know, maybe I'm not ready or maybe this isn't the right time for me. Or they might, you know, encounter another candidate and say, I, I would rather throw my support behind you. Or just from the time they take out nomination papers until the time they have to turn them in, circumstances in their life change. That happens. And I think you'll probably see at least a couple of people return. The, or, some, you know, sometimes maybe they can't get the signatures either, but I think you're going to see a couple of people return their nomination papers uh, and that will lead to a preliminary election and then the final election in November. But one person that we know pulled papers for mayor and for his current role as city councilor at large is Brian Gomes. And this, this was a little bit of controversy yesterday. So uh, Carlos Felix of New Bedford Live had gone down to take a look at the sheet, which is not uncommon. You know, people in the media and people who are trying to report on things going on in the city. They'll go down, they'll take a look at the sheet, and that gives them an idea of who has pulled papers to run for which office. And Carlos noticed that on Brian Gomes' sign-out of these papers, nomination papers, he wrote for the position that he is seeking, city rep. And Carlos put it up on the New Bedford Live page saying, you know, this isn't even a real position. He's playing games with the city. He's playing games with the voters. He's trying to, to have it both ways. And he is trying to have it both ways, in a sense. He took out papers for both councilor at large and mayor. So he wrote city rep. He called into South Coast Now yesterday and explained. So he wrote city rep to cover those rather than... I, th I mean, I think there was probably a little bit of cloak and dagger with it where... He could have easily written his name twice for taking out papers for city council and for mayor. But I think people would have zeroed in on that and said, oh, look, Brian Gomes is running for mayor. So I think he was being a little bit coy by putting that, but he didn't do anything wrong in doing that. And uh, I, I communicated with Manny DeBrito, the election commissioner, and he said that's an unofficial list. As long as the paperwork comes back with the right office that they're running for on it and that he has to write the right office at the, at the top. There's like a declarative paragraph where you declare that you're running for a particular office and that's what people are supposed to read when they start to sign it. I'm sure nobody reads it, but the paragraph requires you to state what the position is there. And Manny said, as long as he returns it with that filled out and that he filled that out before people signed it, then there's no issue because that list that's in the election commission office is just an unofficial list for them to keep track. And for if the media comes in or any citizens come in and want to know who's running, they can just point to that list. It's not anything official and it's not anything binding. What is binding is what uh, Councillor Gomes puts on the paperwork 
and he said that he has papers for city council and for mayor. So it's not like he's going to, you know, go around telling everybody he's running for city council, collect all their signatures, go home and erase where he wrote city council and write in mayor. He has separate papers for each. And he, I am sure, has written on the top of each what the position is that he is running for. So while it's a little bit, as I said, coy, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a, it's a strategy. It's not anything nefarious. But the bottom line is now that means that there's a good chance that Brian Gomes is running for mayor. He's certainly going to be able to collect the signatures that he needs. And then he said he's going to you know, take this weekend to talk to his family and to, to decide uh, exactly what he wants to do. And he's run for mayor before. I forget what year it was that he ran the official campaign, but then in 2019, he was on the ballot. He was going to run, and, you know, same thing. He took out papers for both counselor at large and for mayor, had decided not to run for mayor, did not formally withdraw from the process of running for mayor. I guess I guess he had returned the papers signed, but he didn't formally withdraw, so he didn't get removed from the ballot. So he was on the ballot, even though he wasn't seeking the position. Uh, he characterized that yesterday as human error. He used the same terminology in 2019 when explaining how that happened and said that that won't happen again. Now he understands the process. So it, un- understandably so, it's confusing. Some looked at that and said that it is, that that was a, a strategic move on Councillor Gomes's part to just see what type of numbers he would get in that election. And that if the numbers panned out, even though he wasn't running for mayor, like that gave him an indication. I don't know if that, I mean, as somebody who failed out of two courses in college because I didn't do the formal ad drop process, I just assume that just like every other class I'd taken for four years at UMass Dartmouth, that if I didn't show up the first week of, co- of the course because I had scheduled another course instead, that the professor was going to just drop me from the roster and... This professor was very much a stickler for the ad drop process. So someone remained on the roster, the class roster for the entire semester for two courses with this professor, even though this person had two other courses scheduled at the same time. And when I went down to the bursar's office and tried to explain that to them, it didn't matter because I didn't follow the proper procedure. So it's on me. It's my fault. But it's also ridiculous. I took two other courses at that time. It's not like I just said I'm not going to show up and, you know, sleep in or go out to lunch. But that's a problem that was of my own making for not following the procedures. And not no, it's not that I didn't know the procedure, but I, I, I took it for granted. And I think that maybe the same thing happened in 2019 with Councillor Gomes. He thought just telling the election commissioner that he didn't want to be in the mayoral race was enough to get him off the ballot, but he had to actually formally withdraw. So anyway, the bottom line is we'll find out, you know, next week exactly what Councillor Gomes's plans are. But if he does run for mayor against Mayor Mitchell, he instantly becomes the biggest challenger to the mayor because he has far more name recognition than these other folks who are running. Out of all the other folks who are running, the only person I know is Mike Jansen, who is a perennial candidate 
for office in New Bedford and as far as I know has never even sniffed the possibility of a win. So we'll see how that shakes out and we'll see how that uh, how that goes. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are on WBSM. Oh, hello. You're on the air. Hi, Tim. Morning. Uh, how are you? Doing all right. What's on your mind? Um, I was wanting to talk about that new proposed school. Yes. Um, what is, you said that uh, we have to, or New Bedford has to jump on it so that it can guarantee the funding. Is that what you said? Yes. So the uh, school building authority, the Massachusetts School Building Authority will cover, you know, supposedly, what's it, uh, 90% of the, or 80% of the cost, but you have to, you know, be working with them. And if, if they turn this down and say, we'd rather go with a different plan, then they fall out of line in terms of, you know, who that, who they're going to give that funding to next. Okay. And is it um, a site that's completely safe? Is that like, um, I hope it's not going to be like another Keith where yeah. they put the school somewhere and it might not be safe. Has no. that all been checked out? So it has been. Uh, in Jack Spillane's piece, he mentions that too. He talks about that. They said that it's absolutely safe. Uh, for there to be a school there. They had preferred to put housing in that location. That was what people were hoping was going to go there. In fact, uh, Jonathan Cavallo, who used to work for the mayor's office and lives in the neighborhood, he had written um, a letter in support of it being housing instead of a school, but he has since come around on it being a school. But they said that there should be no issue with it being a school there. People still will naturally be concerned, uh, but as far as anybody's concerned health-wise, it's completely safe. Oh, good, good. That was my concern. I didn't know if they were just thinking about um, the money and, you know, how that, that's a good thing to have, um, the 80% reimbursement, but um, as long as it's safe. Yep, it, it, I don't think they have any concerns in that regard. I mean, of course, you're still going to keep an eye on it uh, over time, but I don't think it'd be anything that would be a major issue. There is a little bit of a concern Jack wrote about where uh, the property abuts an auto body shop and that there might be some you know, some fumes and contamination that come in from that. But uh, he says, you know, he was looking at the possibility of could the city take that by eminent domain, but that would be a long process to, to go through. Mm-hmm. Okay. All Great. right. Thank you. You have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. And 508-996-0500 if you want to jump in and chime in in the discussion. Right now, though, I am going to go to my first break of the morning. We'll be back in just a few moments. And welcome back in. Well, these headphones aren't much better either. I guess I'm just doomed this morning. Uh, so I, just, I was just texting with Jax Blaine. So let me just uh, give a little bit of a correction so that I don't confuse anybody with what I said. Uh, when I said that the, when I referred to it as a compromise, the building of this combined school, what I meant was resigning themselves to the fact that they have to build a combined school instead of building a new school for each. That's, that's what I meant by compromise. This, as uh, Jack points out, this is the preferred site of this. Um, but again, ideally, when you're taking two schools and you say, well, we need two new schools, and they say, well, we're going to do one combined school, you know, you kind of have to take what you can get in that regard. Uh, but I think, you know, I think the days of neighborhood schools are behind a lot of municipalities. In New Bedford, it's a different story because you don't have the busing to bring kids all over the city. So a lot of kids have to walk to their school. And so you need to have schools that are within walking distance for those students. 
And uh, so I think here in New Bedford, it's still a little bit different where you do need those, those neighborhood level schools. I don't think this could ever be a city where you can combine schools like you can police stations and fire stations. You know, you're not going to have a, a South end and a North end educational center. You know, not, you're not going to have one, one elementary school at each end of the, uh, of the city and then one high school and one middle school. It's just never going to work. So, um, this is this is kind of the plan that you have to go with, and you're going to have to combine two of those schools in order to get new facilities. Let, right now, though, let's go into the newsroom and get all the news of the day with Adam Bass. Former President Trump is latching out about new financial or charges filed against him in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. Trump told Fox News Digital on Thursday that the charges were ridiculous and said this is what you get for leading in polls. Special Counsel Jack Smith filed additional charges on Thursday, including a new count of willful retention and two new obstruction counts. Prosecutors alleged that two Trump employees attempted to delete security footage at Mar-a-Lago after the Justice Department issued a subpoena for it. The White House says the president will not pardon Hunter Biden. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre on Thursday replied no when asked if a pardon for the president's son was possible and said the Justice Department is independent and the president respects the rule of law. This comes after Hunter Biden's plea deal involving tax and gun charges fell apart Wednesday. The judge raised questions over the terms of the deal and asked both sides to file additional briefs explaining the plea deal's legal structuring. The 75th Primetime Emmys are officially being delayed. Mark Mayfield with the details. Variety reports that vendors for the award show were told the ceremony will not air September the 18th. While the news was expected due to the current Hollywood strike, the date was kept as a placeholder by Fox and the TV Academy. The delay marks the first time the Emmys have been postponed since 2011. I'm Mark Mayfield. A hearing will resume today to determine the sentence for a Michigan school shooter. Ethan Crumbly pleaded guilty last year to all charges in the killing of four students at Oxford High School in 2021. Crumbly was 15 years old at the time of the massacre and can be sentenced to life in prison without parole only at the discretion of a judge. A ruling is expected in the coming days. Proponents of the Stop Cop City movement in Atlanta are getting a win in court as a federal judge rules in their favor. Liz Kennedy has the latest. In a ruling released Thursday, U.S. District Judge Mark Cohen issued an order temporarily blocking Atlanta from enforcing a requirement that only city residents can canvass for signatures on a referendum petition. It's good news for opponents of the Public Safety Training Center going up into Cab County. According to the AJC, Mary Hooks, a tactical lead for the referendum coalition, stated that they are thrilled by Judge Cohen's ruling and the expansion of democracy to include their DeKalb neighbors. Proponents must submit a total of 70,000 signatures for the issue to go on the ballot. More than 30,000 signatures have been secured. I'm Liz Kennedy. The heat in Phoenix, Arizona is literally deadly. The Maricopa County Medical Examiner's Office says the capacity is set at 106% amidst a heat wave that's brutal even by Phoenix standards. They've brought in 10, of 10 coolers to keep up with demand for body storage. And the man who sang the Eagles classic, Take It to the Limit, has passed away. Randy Meisner was the bass player and a founding member of the Eagles and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998. 
The band announced news of his death on Thursday and said he passed away the previous night due to complications from COPD. Meisner was 77 years old. In sports, the Boston Red Sox are in San Francisco tonight to face off against the Giants. First pitch is at 10.15 p.m. Eastern. And now, here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. Well, we have a heat advisory in effect as well as an air quality alert and a rip current risk all through this evening. So if you're planning on being outdoors, be cautious today. It's going to be hot, mostly sunny and humid, high near 88. Tonight, mainly clear and humid, 71. And for tomorrow, it'll still be humid with a mix of sun and clouds and some showers and storms passing through the afternoon, high near 85. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 72 degrees right now now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Starting the South Coast off right each morning. It's a beautiful morning. It's the Tim Weisberg Show. Weekdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. right here on WBSM. Unfortunately, you know, we we have lost Randy Meisner, the passing of the former bassist and, and the singer of that song, Take It to the Limit. And I don't know if you know much about Randy Meisner, but if you haven't seen the History of the Eagles documentary, it's one of the best music documentaries ever made. It's it's incredible. It's long. I think it's like four, five, six hours, something like that. It's long, but it's it's very thorough, and the band members do not hold back. And as you know, the Eagles didn't always get along, especially Randy Meisner getting into a fist fight, well, almost getting into a fist fight on stage with Glenn Fry. He refused to sing that song. Randy Meisner suffered from, I guess, stage fright or something. I don't remember exactly what the issue was, but he he didn't want to sing the song one night, and Glenn Fry was like, you're going to sing the song. And he's like, no, I'm not going to sing the song. And they were going back and forth, like, during the show. So they'd be playing, like, you know, uh, uh, the bridge, the musical bridge of the song or something. And, and Glenn Fry would, like, come over to him. He's like, I'm going to kill you after this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to beat the crap out of you as soon as this is over. And so it, it led to a lot of problems. And Randy Meisner ended up leaving the band. But the really strange story came later. There was a guy who, for a number of years was pretending to be Randy Meisner. He would show up, he had a gambling problem, and he would show up at casinos and tell them that he was Randy Meisner of the Eagles, and they would give him credit because the Eagles' greatest hits is the was the biggest-selling album of all time. And it's still up there as one of the top, I think, three or four. And so he would capitalize on that 
people would assume, well, Randy Meisner must have a lot of money. And he would utilize that to his advantage. And he like had gambling debts all over and he would use it to his advantage all different ways. He ended up getting caught because he went into a record, uh, into a guitar shop and he said that he was there to do a charity event and that he was looking for a guitar that they could donate and they gave him like a very expensive guitar and said, here, you can donate this on our behalf and, you know, this is for the charity that you're raising money for and he ended up selling it online and somebody ran the serial number on the guitar and it turned up as being the one that was registered to this music shop and it, it led to him getting caught. And I guess he'd been caught a couple of times. He'd gone to prison, come out, and done it again. But the strangest part of the story of somebody pretending to be Randy Meisner from the Eagles, first of all, of all people, and I guess he didn't even really bear a passing resemblance to him, but nobody remembered what Randy Meisner looked like. We're talking, this was at a time, he was doing this in the 90s, when it wasn't like you were just going to pull up the internet on your phone and look up Randy Meisner and be like, hey, that's not you. But I think the strangest part of the story, and I don't know how much of this part is true or if it's become urban legend or what, but one time he's at a casino and he's gambling as Randy Meisner, and it just so happens that Don Henley is there as well. Don Henley of the Eagles. And the person who runs the casino has this great idea of, oh, Randy, Don Henley's here. I'm going to go bring you over and you can go say hi to Don Henley. And I'm sure this fake Randy Meisner is thinking to himself, oh, here we go. The jig is up. This is where they're going to catch me. And again, this might be urban legend, but as the story goes, I guess Don Henley was in a limo and they brought Randy Meisner, fake Randy Meisner, into the limo to meet with him. And they had like a 10, 15 minute conversation catching up. And then Don Henley was like, all right, well, good to see you. I got to get going. And then went on. And Don Henley didn't realize that this wasn't the real Randy Meisner. Like how much Don Henley is a notorious jerk. But how much of a jerk do you have to be that the guy that you were in a band with for, I don't know, at least five years, I think, that you don't, you don't remember that this guy isn't your, your former bass player? Just, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I love Don Henley's music, but I don't know that I'd want to be his friend. I don't know that he has friends. He seems to. Some people like him. He gets along with some people. And uh, he, he had that great Howard Stern appearance where he seemed he came up, came across as very affable, but he's, I don't know, he's certainly no friend to, uh, to Randy Meisner, but rest in peace to, to Randy. And uh, now that's what, two members of the Eagles gone, although, you know, Randy had retired a long time ago, but they're out there now on their final tour ever. I got to see them a couple of years ago at Xfinity Center on what was the hottest day of the year. So hot that Xfinity Center was letting people bring in their own water. But it was one of the most amazing shows I've ever seen. You heard pretty much everything you would want to have heard. And that's when Glenn Fry was still alive. So you had the whole lineup. And this was the history of the Eagles tour. So it was right after the documentary came out. So you had the added bonus of knowing how dramatic things can get. And then watching to see if there's any signs of that on stage. But by that point, everybody was getting along great. It's, it's funny how much people can hate each other, yet be so perfect to work together on something like the music that the Eagles made. All right, well, there we go. There's my fun story time for the day. Uh, hope that you enjoyed it and hope that you will play some Take It to the Limit through the course of the day to remember Randy. But that's, you know, I was just listening last night to some Sinead O'Connor. 
and think uh, the it popped into my head. These things happen in threes. That's what they say. These things happen in threes. So anyway, 508-996-0500. We're going to take our next break and we will be back in a few moments. song when the eagles came back together in 1994 that was the the first single that they released the first new song that they released and one of my favorites great song and uh then then of course that they had the hell freezes over special and oh so good that was a great time in music because you had the eagles coming back together a couple years later you had fleetwood mac coming back together and i went out on that i went out and saw that tour too the dance. Oh, what a great show. I'm glad that I got to see, you know, that version of Fleetwood Mac at least once. Anyway, 508-996-0500 is the number to call in and chime in. And let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Good morning, Mr. Weisberg. Good morning. Uh, you were talking about they're going to build a school, which is a combination of the Congdon School. And what was the other one? The Duval School. Okay. Do you know why? Why they're combining them? Yes. Uh, because they couldn't build two new school buildings, so it became easier to just combine them into one. So they're saving money, you mean? Yeah. It's going to be one big school. Yep, it's going to be a what two- they, What are two, they going to call it? Two-story. Um, I'm not sure. I think, it, is it gonna, I think it's going to be called the Duval Congdon School. I think they're going to combine the names together. Okay. Um. Are they going to knock both of them down and build just one in, in the same spot, so either one of them? Nope. Like, they, are they going to build at the Congdon site? or They looked at building at the Duval site, but it's going to be uh, built on the former Goodyear site. The former Goodyear? I, I, really, I don't know where that is. It's, uh, if you check out the NewBedfordLight.org story, uh, Jack Blaine's mm-hmm. column on it, he has a map that shows uh, exactly where it is. At the West End, South End, at least? South End. Okay. Now, you also said they're building schools now for to last 20 years. Uh, no, I said that they kind of target like a 50-year range before, you know, maintenance will need to be done or expansions need to be done. I was talking about with the 20 years, uh, that was New Be- um, sorry Wareham High, when they built the new school in the 1990s, within 25 years, the gym roof was already leaking. So now when they build a school, it's going to be for 50 years, you're saying? Before, yeah, that's about the time period they think before you have to start, you know, doing doing major maintenance or or any kind of expansion. Okay, I'm I'm still confused. What is the twenty year? 
That's when I was talking. I mean, that's when I was talking about how long it took the roof at, at Wareham High to start leaking in the oh, gym. Oh, I see. But the building schools are going to be for fifty years, right? Yeah, fifty years before they need you know major so, maintenance. When when did they say that? Like the new the Keith Middle School was that built for fifty? Um, well, I don't. It's not. It's not like they put a, a an expiration date on the building. I'm just saying, like they they don't they don't build them the same way that they used to, where you know they were building them, intending them to last for a hundred, hundred and fifty years. When I when I was going to uh, school, I went to the old Keith School, and back then we used to call it Junior High, Keith Junior High. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the big deal was why they had to change it to Middle School. Who, whose bright idea was that? And what for? What was wrong with saying junior high school? Uh, it was kind of a, na- a national movement to um, to start recategorizing junior highs as middle schools. I think because it made it so because as they what would happen is they would start having younger and younger grades be part of the middle school. So instead of just being like seventh and eighth grade, like junior high used to be, they'd start adding in sixth grades, fifth grades. So I think it kind of gave them a more a more broader based um, you know terminology to cover all the grades that would be in there. So when they decided to to build. Uh, to connect two schools like that, did did we get to vote on that or something we don't vote on? Uh, no, I don't think you vote on this. This is something that's a determination by the school committee had a, a, a special group that was looking into this. Uh, and then, you know, there was people involved, decision makers in the city involved. The school, the school committee signs off on the plan to do it. The city council approves it. The Massachusetts School Building Authority is involved in it. So I think it's all something that's done. You know, outside of the people, if they needed to have like a a proposition two and a half override or something to pay for it, then then the people would sign sound off on it. But if it's something that they can do within the workable budget they already have, then they don't need to put it out to a vote. Now, now that takes time too. Is there a date of when they might start building that new school? Well, we're going to find out all those details coming up later with uh, the city council president Linda Morad and Councillor Shane Burgo. When's that today? Uh, eight o'clock, right after the eight o'clock news. Oh, all right. Thank you, Mr. Weisberg. All right. You have a good morning. You too. And everybody that's on hold, hang on. We will get to you. If we don't get to you uh, by the end of this hour, hang on. We'll get to you at the start of the next hour. But I do have to take one more break. Back in a few. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hi, you're on the air. Once, twice. Okay. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Yeah. Hi, Spooky Tim. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, I don't know. Bad move putting Duval School on the old Goodyear area, okay? That place was polluted. To me, they should put it right in back at Duval School where it is now. If they got it, they got to go south, take Montpeo, take uh, Wings uh, uh, Auto, if they got to do it by eminent domain. That's a very bad move, you know. But, you know, as they say, I guess probably it's already a done deal. Again, I don't know, New Bifford has this thing about putting schools on uh, polluted sites, for example, New Bifford High. And I guess back then nobody knew that... Uh, uh, Aravox and Connell Dublier used to dump there, so you put the school again on a place that was polluted, although back then I don't think they know. But then uh, a good man, uh, Mike Longo, when he was superintendent, wanted to take the kids out of Keith, sent them up to the Oma Mandan for one year, and build Keith on the Andrew McCoy Field before it was Andrew McCoy Field. Instead, they put it across from the new school, uh, the new New Bedford High, which they use that area for a dumping ground to take all the stuff out of uh, the New Bedford High site and throw it on the site where now uh, uh, Keith stands. They had to do that because the parents didn't let their kids go into uh, an old school for a little bit of time. But uh, I don't know. I guess New Bedford's got a thing about putting schools on uh, polluted ground. Yeah, they, they say it's safe. Well, uh, yeah, well, well, they, that, that's not right. I lived in the South End, and I could smell the rubber coming out of that place, and I knew guys that worked in the Banbury room there, and that place was polluted, 
And even with Goodyear left it, Goodyear didn't have to clean it up to its 